Hello, welcome to our Castaway Radio, and you're listening to our Rickenbacker podcast, introducing Drew, Caleb, and Bryce. Now, Caleb, do you think you would survive a long period of time in shark-infested waters and being an open target for catastrophic danger? Are you serious? I'm afraid to even swim in the ocean. Same. Well, believe it or not, that's exactly what happened to Eddie Rickenbacker and seven other crewmen. It was October 21st, 1942. They were on a super-secret mission with an unwritten message. We still don't know what it he didn't tell anyone? Nope, he didn't tell anybody. Because if he told somebody or the message was written and they were captured, the enemy could find it and know what their secret mission was all about. It's pretty smart, right? Yeah. Now, where does this take place? In the middle of the Pacific Ocean. The cold, dangerous Pacific Ocean. Oh, okay. So were they flying over the Pacific or sailing? They were probably flying because it would be quicker, right? They were going on a secret mission flying over the Pacific Ocean when they realized they were lost. How did they get lost? The pilot's navigation system broke. Oh, okay. But when they realized they were running low on fuel, slowly and slowly, and then... They ran out of fuel and put into a long glide. They braced themselves for what was about to happen, and then, boom, the engine fluttered and died. And they crashed with a crash louder than thunder. The plane stopped very fast and stayed afloat. Oh, man, that sounds terrible. That's not even the worst part. Then what is? Just listen. I'll explain. After the plane crashed, they grabbed two five-man rafts and a three-man raft, but the raft capsized. However, the two men in it had flipped it back over. But then one of the men realized that they didn't have any of the water bottles or their rations. So they asked them, who's got the supplies? They had buckets, patching kits, knives, and fishing lines, as well as a gun with 18 flares. On the raft. Still no water. They can't drink the seawater either because it causes dehydration. Wait for a second. Why is Eddie Rickenbacker guy famous anyway? Do you know something about this, Drew? Why, yes, I do. When Eddie Rickenbacker served in World War I, he became famous because he won the Medal of Honor. He was a great fighter pilot. Eddie crashed the plane while he was fighting and almost killed himself and came back to fight after the crash. That's why he earned the Medal of Honor. Later after the war, Eddie Rickenbacker became a huge race car driver. He was just brilliant. He broke a crazy world speed record of 134 miles an hour. That's pretty fast for a car. All he wanted was the big thrill of fame and speed. But he wanted to give up being a famous race car driver to work in the World War II military, even though he's making a good 40 grand a year. Now, we think that about 20 years after being a race car driver, he'd be done with the war. But he wanted to serve going to go into World War II. Then, World War II came, and faintly he was stranded in shark-infested waters with no food or water for his seven other crewmen. All eight men were badly injured, and all their careers ended. I researched this other guy named General MacArthur. He was a guy they were going to deliver the message to. Let me tell you about him. He was a good guy in the eyes of many. MacArthur was the shield for the Philippines and took great pride in what he fought for. He had obtained the Medal of Honor for his defense in the Philippines. Also, he served in the military with his father in World War I when he was young. MacArthur was the big boss of the Southwest Pacific in World War II. As he was fighting in the war, the Japanese were planning to invade the Philippines, but then President Franklin Roosevelt ordered him to flee to Australia. When he left, he said, I shall return. A few years later, he once again stepped foot on Philippine soil.
1950 during the Korean War, he had been put out of service because he had an idea to plummet a bomb on China so they couldn't get any closer to the U.S. troops. When he came back to America, his home country, he was classified as a hero and honored with parades. When MacArthur passed in 1964, he stated, old soldiers never die, they just fade away. Okay, guys, let's get back to the story. Okay. On the fourth day of being stranded out at sea with the red burning sun beating down on everyone's red blistering skin, they split a juicy fresh orange. On the sixth day, they began talking about what food and drink they had on their mind. On the second best day of all 24 days, a goal landed on one of the men's heads. They struck quick, like lightning thrashing down on the ground. They captured it and had a feast. They used the intestines to catch a mackerel, the first big meal of this devastating journey. On the ninth day, they noticed an upcoming storm, and they tried to get as much water as they could. They stored it in life jackets. After both storms, they only captured a quart and a half, and that still wasn't enough to revive their terrible state of dehydration. After all that struggle, they increased from half an ounce a day to two ounces because Alex was going to die if they stuck to half an ounce of water per man. Two days later, one of the crewmen, Alex, dies from dehydration. They threw him overboard. In the days that followed, everyone's spirits plummeted lower and lower. But having experienced that miracle of the seagull, they hoped for a better end. Hans Adamson, another passenger, was developing paralysis all over his body. His whole body looked like a massive red pulp. He was developing labar pneumonia and other serious ailments were brought on by starvation. But one night, Eddie was awakened by a strange movement on the raft. He threw his head up and what he saw was devastating. Hans was gone and Eddie saw something on the water. He pulled Hans by his shoulder. On the 19th afternoon, rough sea, Cherio looking toward the southwest horizon. A plane, I hear a plane. There came the aircraft flying low and fast. It was a single engine pontoon and it was heading away from us. Two more of the same planes appeared the next day. They also did not see them on the rest. The following morning, four more planes flew over. Hearts were racing, hearts were racing, but their spirits dropped. They knew that there was going to be a better ending than this. Then Cherry had a wild idea. He wanted to paddle off alone in the small raft. Then Whittaker and DeAngelis wanted to go. By nightfall, both rafts were gone. The next day, Friday, November 13th, Eddie kept a constant lookout. Not even a seagull in the sky. Then later in that afternoon, Eddie felt Bartek pulling on his shirt. Listing Captain Planes. <laughs> This time, the pilot saw them. They saw the pilot see them. It was a Navy seaplane. The first plane made a full circle around the raft and landed in the rough sea. As the seven survivors were taxied to their homeland, all were shipped to hospitals and started gaining weight again. They, they all went from around 180 pounds to approximately 120 pounds. They, began, they were all praying to the Lord for their safety. Some wrote books on their survival and wanted to get the word around to the world. Some, so Rickenbacker became an evangelist and didn't even know it too. An evangelist is a person who seeks to convert others to the Christian faith, especially by public preaching. This reminds me of a story I read about this pretty cool guy. He was an Olympian in the 1936 Olympics and he shook Hitler's hand. His name was Louis Zamperini.
but after the Olympics in 1936, 19, 1941, Louis enlisted in the U.S. Army Air Corps and later got stationed in Hawaii. One day, he was searching for a missing aircraft, but when he least expected it, the aircraft began to have mechanical problems, and boom! The nose dived into the Pacific and shark-infested waters, and only three out of 11 survived the crash. Louis, the pilot, and the tail gunner. They survived off the seabirds, fish, and rainwater, but after a month, the tail gunner, Francis McNamara, passed away. On the 47th day, Japanese sailors picked them up and they were held in multiple prison camps. They were beaten, starved, and tortured. These bad things had been amplified for Louis, but after, but a little after two years, the war ended and Louis and the pilot were finally released. I could never imagine. I can never imagine all these things they went through, to be honest. Ooh, yeah, yeah.